Isaiah is one of the really big uh, prophets, one of the major prophets we call them from the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11 this morning. That's where we're at. So you might like to open it up on your iPhone. Just double-checking to say, check that what I'm saying is legitimate. You shouldn't always believe everything the bloke up the front of a church tells you, you know. So be very careful. I'm going to be uh, doing a little bit of background, looking back into chapter 10, giving you a little bit of homework. Um, but look, this is one of the mighty, mighty chapters of the Bible. Such incredible hopefulness is brought out in Isaiah chapter 11. Some wonderful imageries of the laws of nature, the very laws of nature being changed by this coming shoot from the stump of Jesse. It's Isaiah uh, chapter 11 this morning. Uh, how well the kids are gone. So God bless you guys. Hope you have a wonderful practice uh, for looking forward to your performance next week. But for us grown-ups... Isaiah chapter 11 brings desolation, it's destruction. Israel has been laid waste. We're about 700 years before the time of Christ. And God has called his prophet Isaiah to prophesy to both the northern and the southern kingdom. At this point in time, the glories of mighty King David and King Solomon are long since gone. David's been dead and buried for some two or three hundred years at this point, and things are crumbling. The northern ten tribes have turned astray. They've turned their back on God. They've rejected his good giving commands and become corrupted and abusive, and God has, has had enough. So just looming over the horizon is the might of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians are now the dominant force in that part of the world and they are causing carnage and destruction. This period between about 740 BC to about 700 BC has been called uh, the first holocaust of the Jews. They would raid continually, come and bring destruction and death like a plague of locusts and scorpions. Bringing death and destruction in their wake, they made Israel feel like, well, is there really any point sowing a crop this year? What chance was there of reaping a harvest? Would I even live to see the harvest, let alone be able to bring it in and enjoy it myself with the Syrian soldiers crawling all over, all over my land? Is there really, really any point bearing children, given the bloodthirsty nature of, of the Assyrian Empire? So speaking through his prophet Isaiah, God uses this imagery of a sea of tree stumps where there was once a forest, nothing but jagged tree stumps are left. God has declared, he's told his people, Israel, I'm going to use the Assyrians. As he did so often, he would use enemy nations to bring his own people back to justice and, 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 and to chastise them, to, to, to bring them back to him. And this time was the Assyrians' turn. If you have a look, a bit of homework for you this week, why don't you go back and read uh, the previous chapter, chapter 10. God describes the Assyrians as his axe, as his rod, as his whip, and as his club. He's going to destroy his people through the Assyrians that are coming. Towards the end of chapter 10, they're working their way. If you have a look down through a list of towns, each time getting closer to Jerusalem. And the chapter ends with them shaking their fists in anger at Zion, Mount Zion, Jerusalem, 
itself. This is sadly exactly what would happen. In the year 722 BC, the Assyrians conquered the northern ten tribes known as Israel for the final time, and they were really no longer to be seen upon the face of the earth. A few stragglers survived and became what we know as Samaritans, but effectively as a nation, the northern ten tribes were effectively wiped off the face of the earth. Their hopelessness, despair, carnage and destruction is just over the horizon. This is not a prophecy of huge hopefulness at this point. This is a a prophecy of, of destruction, of weeping. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt as though you're looking out over a sea of of tree stumps? Have you ever struggled to see uh, the hopefulness in your situation? Perhaps you turn on the news these days and feel a little bit like that. Wars continue to to ravage our, our, our planet. Perhaps even here at home you think, oh Lord, what is happening to your church. The church is, is struggling. Uh, rampant militant secularism is rampaging its way through our nation, through the institutions, through our own families, and, and even at times through, through the church. So that is the context. Hopelessness. Cut off. Tree stumps. Brought down. It finishes with these fateful words. God concludes that he will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. All is lost. Nothing less left but, but jagged stumps. But in the midst of all of this, there is a word of hope that comes forth in chapter 11 from our, our reading today. Through all the destructiveness of humanity, we see that the promises of God, the faithfulness of God overcomes. The faithfulness of God is stronger than the most destructive forces that humanity can unleash. I've got a Bible reading for you this morning from chapter 11. We're going to do it via video. This is, contains some wonderful imagery, chapter, chapter 11. All of chapter 11 is a description of this coming hope, this coming shoot, this branch. It's going to spring up from an old tree stump. I'm going to play it on video. Uh, it's got some wonderful imagery. There wonderful shall come practice. forth it. Listen in. Shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together. 
and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth like waters cover the sea. What a wonderful picture, amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may this reality, may this vision, may this prophecy become a reality in our lives. Open our eyes this morning to see how we can embody it. Help us to see how we can live it out as we study this wonderful prophecy, Lord. We pray that it might come alive in us, that we may be challenged to live it out, that we may be at the very embodiment, that we may be uh, your your stewards, your, your servants in serving this shoot that will arise, that will come to bring peace to the earth once and for all. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the midst of this destruction, we have this news of a, of a branch, of a shoot springing up from a tree stump. Israel's enemies had done their best down through the centuries to try to blot it out, to stop them out. They tried slavery and wars, and, and they haven't managed to do it. Isaiah is saying... Hang in there, despite it all, despite it all, through it all. There is one who is coming from the stump of Jesse. Do you know who Jesse is? Jesse is David's father, King David's father. This is a prophecy that says, the prophecy from 2 Samuel chapter 7, that someone from Jesse's line will sit on the throne, not just of Israel, but of the entire world. This is an affirmation that God doesn't forget his promises. This is a, a, a prophecy that God will follow through, that he will, that he will make good on his promises one day. Verses 1 to 5 of chapter 11 give us a description of this king. And verses 6 to 9 tell us how the very laws of nature are going to be changed as a result. But friends, as we approach Christmas once more, let's be very, very clear that this shoot, this branch from the stump of Jesse is Jesus of Nazareth. Amen? This is the one that we look forward to. He has come and he will come again, as we heard last week. The references, the imagery towards Jesus of Nazareth are clear. And in fact, Jesus himself used this prophecy to, to talk of himself. He clearly claims that he is this shoot from the stump of Jesse. It's an odd image of this very tender, very fragile branch. But isn't that the story of Christmas time? That the most helpless and innocent of all creatures, a helpless human baby, broke into the world and brings us and brings us hope. But let's very quickly have a look at verses two to five to see what this branch, what this shoot, what this King of Kings will be like. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears. But the righteous, with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt will be his belt and faithfulness, his sash 
around his waist. What a wonderful vision, friends, isn't it? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and bring this rule to earth, we pray. I love the fact that he's talking about one that doesn't care about what appearances may be. He's not swayed by human opinions like we are. Our generation is so swayed by the beautiful people, aren't we? There's a whole generation of people raised up now. There's these things called influencers. Have you, people, oldies like me, have you in, familiar with this concept? They're famous for being famous. All they do is go on social media and pout and recommend products, and that's how they earn their living. The beautiful people influencing the world. That is not the vision that is here. Jesus, the, the one who is to come, will not be swayed by shallow material things. He will judge with righteousness. Jesus himself claimed to be this branch that would spring up. Paul would also go on to refer to the belt of, of, right, the belt of truth in Ephesians chapter 6. This imagery is picked up multiple times in the New Testament in describing Jesus himself. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and bring righteousness to the world once and for all. Amen? But this rule, have a look at what it looks like in verses 6 to 9 if you've got it open in front of you. This is just, I find, uh, an eye-watering vision of the beauty of creation being restored. Reconciliation through the very fibre of creation. Have a look at what's going to happen. In case you missed it, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. What? The leopard will lie down with the goat. The cow will feed with the bear. The lion will eat straw like an ox. Children will play at the viper's nest, at the hole of the cobra. Something radically new will come. All that hurts and destroys and maims and kills will be gone. And why? Well, verse 9 tells us, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Isn't that a wonderful image? Like waters cover the sea, so will be the knowledge of God upon the earth. What a glorious day it will be. So irresistible will be the reign of Jesus Christ, the very fiber, the very being of nature will be, will be radically changed. Back to the garden, pre-fall, no more death, no more dying, no more sin. Interesting little aside for those of you who got a really keen eye. Uh, it goes on in verse 10 to describe Jesus as the root of Jesse, whereas earlier he was described as the, the branch or the new shoot. So Jesus is both the, the, the root stock and the downstream effects of Jesse, David's father. He's the beginning and the end. He's before and after Jesse. This is a clear description of the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. This root, this branch of Jesse will usher in a time when the spirit of the knowledge of the Lord be so present, so tangible, so powerful, so irresistible that it changes absolutely everything. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Can I get an hallelujah? I look forward to that day when there'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. Verse 10 goes on to talk about the human family being united. Of this root now shifts, the imagery changes to being a banner, raised up like an, an army's colours, a troop's colours being raised up, and all of humanity will rally around this banner. Won't that be a miracle? No more fighting and crying and pain within the human family. 
Come, Lord Jesus, come. This is what we look forward to at Christmas, the coming Christ who has come and will come again to bring his kingdom, where his rule will be absolutely unquestioned, will be irresistible. So a few little applications for you this morning before we gather around the Lord's table. We've got a few little things that we might be able to take away and apply in our lives as a result of this glorious vision that we've been given of this sprig of new life that springs up even in the midst of destruction. Firstly, can I encourage you to heed this call to, to righteousness. We're told that this, this, that this root, Jesus himself, is, will be, uh, he will rule with righteousness and with truth. We won't judge by what he sees, by what he hears. Jesus himself, in John chapter 7, verse 24, quotes this prophecy and applies it to himself and then gives it to us. He says, just as I judge with righteousness, so too you are to do the same. John 7, 24 says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. In other words, he takes a prophecy that was spoken about himself and charges us with going and doing Likewise, we should be a people above reproach. We should have the belt of truth and righteousness buckled, the sash of righteousness around us. We should be known as a people who are above reproach. We should be a people who deal in truth. We should be a people that are not swayed by the shallow things of this world, by appearances, but we look to the heart of the matter. Is there something in your life that you know is not quite right, that isn't quite sitting well with God's standard of truth with his plumb line of truth? Is there something in your heart that you know just isn't quite right? Is there somewhere perhaps you've been dealing a little bit fast and loose with the truth? If that's so, can I encourage you to do business with God today and, and to cut that out of your life? That's the first thing. Let's be a people of unimpeachable justice and truthfulness. Secondly, let's create some space for new life and new growth in our lives. Think about the original image of a tree stump. It had to, the old had to give way in order that the, the new might come. Is there something that needs to give way in your life? Is there something that's sort of crowding out the potential for new life in you? Perhaps your calendar needs to be slashed and burned. Perhaps there's something in 2023 that you need to let go of, perhaps. What needs to be cut down? What needs to be cut away from your life to enable some new life to grow? Can I also encourage you to, to think about uh, the fact that in encouraging some new life, it happens out at the edges. I needed to ring bark a tree at the outside to kill it. Uh, new life, new growth happens out at the edges. Let's commit to making sure that we are seeing and doing the new thing that God has called us to, both as individuals and as a church family next year. Think also, uh, trees actually need a little bit of resistance to grow. You might remember back in the 90s, there was a, a science project in the States called the Biodome. Does anyone remember that? Huge big glass house with its own little, uh, its own little world. It was sealed off from the rest of the world. Um, some scientists were running all sorts of experiments, trying to sort of make this little world's... Uh, self-contained, self-productive, was able, you know, hoping to be able to grow all of their own food within the biodome. They, they learned a lot, but one thing was a bit of a failure, and, and that was the trees. They couldn't work out why the trees kept 
going limp and weak and falling over. The scientists finally worked out that there was one thing missing from the biodome that was present out in the real world, and that was wind. <laughs> Turns out trees actually need a bit of a breeze, actually need the odd storm in order to harden up and strengthen. So let's not be the sort of people who shy away from the odd bit of breeze or the odd storm in our life because we know that we grow as a result. So let's be a people committed to dealing with the rough times, the hard times, and strengthening ourselves as a result. Where we need to, let's be people committed to cutting away the deadwood to enable that, that new growth to occur. Can I encourage you to curate hope? This is a passage of hope. Curate hope, tend hope. This little sprig, you can imagine like a little sprig popping up from a tree stump, so helpless. Just a wandering animal that any time could wander by and nibble it and, and end it. Too little water could end it. Too much water could end it. It's fragile at times, hope, isn't it? Let's make sure that we are tending to this hope in our life, making sure that we are, that we are looking to the good things, seeing God at work around us in ways that might not always be terribly, terribly obvious. Despite the pain and suffering in our world, you might see new life springing up from a, a tree stump, from a, a smile, from a long frozen face perhaps. Those first tentative steps into a church building after many years, maybe after a significant hurt. Maybe seeing a, or hearing a baby, a baby crying in a manger. We saw that just yesterday out in church, out at Christmas in the mall, didn't we? was a wonderful little glimpse for me of a little bit of hope, a little bit of a, a sprig of new life bursting forth out in the, the concrete jungle that is Bondi Junction. It was a wonderful day. I was on the stall selling some promise bags. That was my job that the boss had given me. But I had alongside me my brothers in Christ, sowing a little bit of hope and joy in the world. It was just a little moment of the sun shining down, think, yeah, there's hope here yet. God isn't finished with his people yet. Can I encourage you to curate those tender little shoots of hope and be looking for them, trying to identify them in your life and indeed in the life of others. And finally, can I encourage you to, to lift up Jesus in your life? This passage concludes in verse 10 of the banner being raised up. Let's be lifting up Jesus as the hope that we have. This little sprig, this little branch, is Jesus himself. This baby born in Bethlehem, in David's city. That was why he was born there, let's not forget. He was there because his father, Joseph, had to go back to his own hometown, to Bethlehem, a little backwater outside of, outside of Jerusalem, where Jesse lived those, about a thousand years beforehand. Lift him up in your life. Whatever we've got any life here is individuals or as a church here in Australia, let's be lifting up Jesus, just like we did yesterday out in the mall. Nations are flocking. Can I give you a little word of hope? Nations are flocking to the banner. We might not see it here in the decadent West where we seem to be so consumed with the shallow things, turning our back on God, but the nations are coming to Christ. There is wonderful church growth in other nations of the world. We hear wonderful news from Places like China or South, uh, uh, the Middle East, South America, the church is, is growing despite persecution 
around the world. God is indeed on the move. So whatever he gives us strength and breath, let's be lifting up the banner of Christ. Let's be pointing people towards this shoot of new life. So church in the marketplace, let's dedicate ourselves to doing these things this week, can we? Let's make sure uh, that we uh, uh, are being a righteous people, a truthful people. Let's be creating space for new growth amongst us. Let's be people who are creating and nurturing those little sprigs of hope in our life and in the life of people around us. And let's be a people who, who lift up Jesus Christ to our city, to our nation, and to our world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Yes, Heavenly Father, you know all too well that to be human, to be able to feel joy and delight is also to be fragile, to be potential victims of pain and sadness and injustice. So come to us all this Christmas, we pray, Father, bringing glad tidings, good cheer, comfort and hope as we celebrate that marvellous mystery that we call the Incarnation, when you became one of us, born a helpless baby, who grew up and lived and breathed, laughed and cried, ate and drank, lived and died and rose again. Through him, we pray that you might bring us new hope, bring us joy, bring us healing and wholeness, bring us a sure refuge in the darkness as we await something new to be born within us, something small, seemingly insignificant perhaps, a tiny sprig of hope that will carry us into your fruitful future where the knowledge of you, Father, covers the earth like waters cover the sea. In the name of the one, the root and branch of Jesse, which came to save us, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, we pray. Amen.